Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. Welcome, everyone. Good morning. Here we are. We're on our five-word series, a series of messages uh, that define what uh, marriage is. We're at four, week four of our five weeks together. This is what we're looking at as uh, we've been saying for some time now, this defines, or this is the blueprint for marriage. We're going to look at a sentence in the Bible that's found in both Testaments that defines marriage. In other words, the idea of blueprint is if this is what God designed, if we would just follow it, if both parties would follow it, a husband and wife would look at the same blueprint. It's amazing the, the beauty and the joy that you can have in matrimony if you do this. Let, before we get to our new word, let's review and then even review not just the words, but the application. One of the values that we have, ambitions for this series, is that you'd be able to roll off, you know, five fingers, five digits, the five words for your friends or maybe even doing diagnostic work in your own marriage. So the first word we looked at was leave. Boy, come on, you got leave. All right, and leave, uh, the, the punchline that was, for that was a parent's job is to say goodbye, and a child's job is to leave, is to walk away. And the idea is that you, the point of parenting is to set your child free, be you, be free, be untethered, so that you too can become one. You too could just be independent of expectations from our family and so that you can enjoy yourselves by yourselves. So that was the first word, leave. And the second word was cleave, right. And the idea there was to cleave and break off um, things in your past or your background that were keeping you from bonding because cleave also means to bond or to weld or to glue to one another. And, you know, just basic, what we know about gluing is you have to have a smooth surface for that. And you should let go of things that keep you from connecting intimately with your mate. We saw a video about nails and leave these things behind that that you have allowed to define yourself. And then the application was, let God define you. Let God choose the way he is going to put the parameters of who you are and what your value is. One of the ways we applied that was to say, okay, let's look for individual, forgive me, uh, individual passages or promises or attributes of God that we can specifically attach to our lives. They might not apply to another human being, but they're going to attach to our lives so we can start believing those truths, have our, our minds washed by those attributes or promises or passages so that we can be like God would want us to be defined, so we could be connected to one another. So it was leave, cleave, and then last week was one. And one was uh, part of the phrase, and they became one flesh. And certainly one flesh is, <laughs> it's, it's simply not, it is not simply a physical connection that you can experience in, in uh, marital intimacy. And it's not even a symbolic thing. It's actual, it's, it's a, a mysterious experience that we can enjoy one another, not just physically, but emotionally, but also especially spiritually. And we looked last week about how it is an act of worship, becoming intimate in marriage. And our, and our homework, right, our application last week was to pray that God would show us that, show us uh, the magic of sexual intimacy in marriage so that we could see that, that there's more that's happening here than just pleasure or joy. Then we ask people to pray for that, pray for that to happen. That's one of the overarching themes in our series is we need to get God and his power into these uh, promises that we've made in marriage so that we can enjoy the fullness of it. Today, we're going to look at the word love. So it's leave, cleave, one, and now love. It's a very powerful word. Before we look at it, 
I want us to just, again, look at a passage. We're going to see this passage this week. It's uh, Ephesians chapter 5, but there's that sentence again. We'll look at the sentences that precede it in just a moment, but it says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother, and they will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And I, I, when we look at this, I, I want us to see that this, these are not mere words. You know, it's, it's almost a spell where you say words and then things change in their essence. This is the essence of marriage. This is, well, in the Bible, it's, it's a covenant. When these words are spoken in, in the context of a marriage and vows are exchanged, it is a covenant, promises between God and man, not just between each other. And it's not about current love. It's about future love. It's, it's the idea is to be pointing towards the future. Covenant love is different than the love that you and I, exp- that's advertised these days. Let me talk a little bit about that first. Love today is... Um, sometimes we'll use words like chemistry, right, or, or just some kind of a feeling of excitement. And that is, that's, not a, at, at the, that's not what we're looking at together t- today. That's kind of a shallow, superficial expression of what love is. It, again, it's, it's what's advertised a lot. And, and if you stop and think about, um, I guess, the, the simplicity of that value of it just being a feeling or chemistry... My wife and I have been married 30 years this year. And if you were to come up, you'd have to be rather than naive to even ask this question. But if you ask, you know, when, when we hold hands or when we, when we kiss, would it be like when we first kissed, the first time we ever did that, the first time we ever held hands? Well, absolutely not. It would not be that way. There's, you know, did you feel the electricity? No, no. There is no electricity in that context because, because it's so much more than that. It's so much deeper than that. It, Love, if, if that's that, that type of love, the chemistry, you know, the feelings, that sort of, it's like a, a, a jet ski buzzing around. It's a lot of fun, okay, no doubt. Uh, but in a storm, in the storms of life, you want to be on something like a carrier right, that can endure the storms, that, that cut through these kinds of waves. That's what true love is. It's not a feeling. It's, it's, this, it's a decision that you make towards future love. That's what the love is, is deeper. We'll look at the definition, but it's about future love. You don't have to be married to say, I love you. You can say, I love you to someone right now. That is a long way from marriage because marriage, covenant love says, I love you. I'm making this promise, this binding commitment to promise you into the future that I love. That's what marriage love is. It's a promise, not for now so much, that's a given, but it is I, for as long as we shall both live, right? In sickness and in health, rich or poor, independent of circumstances, independent of decisions and consequences, I'm going to be tender towards you and faithful towards you and serve you and sacrifice myself for you in the future. And in in that covenant promise that's binding, it gives us tremendous safety so that we we can be loved. We can love and be loved. This covenant love that's found in marriage, you won't make this kind of promise to anyone else on the planet. This this is a unique promise that you'll make only to this person. You won't have this kind of love even towards your own children. Because as a parent, your job is to say goodbye. And you're not doing this with your mate. You will give this type of sacrificial, type of service-oriented, purposeful love to this one person. 
uh, if you've been here for a while, I'll use vocabulary that we've used before, okay? This, this, what, this definition of love, love for the present and the future, is the idea of gazing at. It's just this one person, because of the safety of the vows, you can, you, you've chosen to look into their souls and to know one, at least one person. And listen, and to be known, to know and to be known, because you're choosing to become vulnerable. Um, to serve, not just to gaze, but to serve. You're going to serve this one person in ways that you won't serve anyone else and in, in opportunities, and you will be served by this person like you won't serve anyone else or be served by anyone else. This is, the, this is marriage gives us an opportunity, right, to go down on bended knee and wash the feet of someone that we love and sometimes don't even like. <laughs> that's, that's the nature of love, of real covenant love. All right, so we're going to look at a passage today to help describe and define what love is. We've gone around talking about the, that we're making a commitment to this future. Let's look at what love is, though. We'll look at a passage in Ephesians chapter 5, and when we look at it, it's going to be directed towards men, but since covenant love is reciprocal, we're not going to talk so much about how the buck stops with the man and, and roles, that, the difference in roles of men and women. We've talked about that multiple times here, but I want us to look at rather... Look how Paul is going to be more descriptive about what real covenant love is so we can learn from that and aspire to that, okay? Now, we're, we're going to look at somewhat of a lengthy con- uh, a passage, so I, w- I want you to be looking for and listening for these descriptive terms for love that are sacrificial in nature, okay, and purposeful. So we're going to look at love is purposeful, love is sacrificial. Those are the words we're going to use to help better help us understand what love is. So here we go. 525, it starts there. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Okay, how did he do that? Well, he gave himself up for her to make her, why? To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing uh, with the water through the word, and then presenting her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or without any blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives like their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And see, I, I just jumped ahead to verse 31. There it is again. For this reason, a man shall, uh, will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So there's the blueprint for marriage again, and there's the essence of what it is. And then bef- as, he, as he was leading into that, he was saying, let's, def- let's look what love is. He's not going to let us like, pick our own definitions because then we're probably going to go easy on ourselves. Paul says, no, no, this is what it is. This is what love means. And the first thing is that love is sacrificial. Love is sacrificial. We see that right at the beginning of our phrase. It says in 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And how's that? He gave himself up for her. He gave his very life for her. Love, this covenant love is sacrificial. It always includes sacrifice. If there's no sacrifice, it's really, it's not even real love. And this type of love is always going to be pushing us past the boundaries of where we're even remotely comfortable. Okay, it's going to go past what our wants are and what our needs are, what our feelings are, and it's going to force us to invest everything into someone else. See how we're turning ourselves out and not focusing on ourselves. And we're going to invest our time and our emotional energy, our resources, even money, and says, how do I sacrifice for this other person that I've made this covenant bond with? 
It's, it's this perpetual laying down of your life. And, it, and it's relentless. Like it's always happening that you have this opportunity to give rather than to receive, to sacrifice yourself in some context or another. Now, I mean, listen to how that, how that sounds because by our bent, our brokenness, right, we're turned in and it's always about getting. And this says, no, 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 do what Jesus did. And he gave himself. So it's, it's so... It's absolutely the opposite of everything that we would selfishly, intuitively do. So it's so that we would become like we were meant to be. It's, it's, there's a Seinfeld episode, I think, where somebody, uh, George or something, just gets so fed up with his life that he just does everything the opposite of what he would do. And then he ended up living a pretty good episode, I think. Um, and, that, and sacrifice in the context of what we would want to do if we would just do the opposite, that's what sacrificial covenant love looks like. So sometimes uh, love calls us to be silent when we'd like to talk. Sometimes it calls us to talk when we would rather be silent. Sometimes covenant love calls us to act on something and, and do something when we want to be passive. Sometimes it, it calls us to be passive when we really want to act out. Right? It, it calls us to be ambitious towards uh, some goal when we want to just be lazy. And sometimes it calls us to relax and rest when we, want to, when we should be ambitious, right? It's, it's calling us to lead when we want to just follow. It calls us to follow when we'd rather get in there and take charge. It is contrary to almost everything that we want to desire. It's this call to again and again to turn away from ourselves and our own egos and our own desires for something else, for someone else. I watch old people, I watch old people that are married because, because I don't know if you've, you've maybe gathered this, you know, if, I don't know, in high school, there's no difference between people's decisions in many ways, and you feel like some people are getting away with things, right? And then as you kind of, as you get older, you, you start seeing the discrepancies as you just continue, and you can see that there's only real two destinations, there's kindness or cruelty, and if you look at old couples, you know, in their late 70s or 80s, you can start seeing what kindness looks like because it, it, it has so many opportunities to express itself because people have made commitments up to that point about turning in or turning out or being surrendered and sacrificing or just grabbing all they can. And when you see older couples walk together, you can, you can tell the faster one is slowing for the slower one. Right, the, the person that's anxious and nervous and, and uh, is frustrated right, with, with their aging, the other one comes and smooths and soothes them and comforts them or sometimes rebukes them and says, you know, that's, that's not right, that's dumb, don't do those things, don't think those thoughts. But it's always the stronger serving the weaker, that's what it looks like. Because growing old is not for cowards. There's so much indignity involved. And I think when you stop and think about why, right? Why do we end so physically poorly? I think in some cases, in some context, it is this last chance to love. I mean, in a deeper, fuller, more sacrificial way. It is this, it is, it is a victory lap. It is a crescendo on a marriage that says, I, all the way to the end, right? All the way to the end, I will serve you sacrificially. Because sacrificial love and covenant love means more than 
cleaning up around the house. It means, it means, to, gaze, it means to gaze into that soul and say, I am, I am being invited and I will participate and I will serve and sacrifice for that person's possible, possible their dreams and their fears, right? And their hopes. And you say, you go in there and you, I want to be the primary thing that God's going to use to have the fullness of that human soul come to fruition. You enter, you enter into that soul. And what's a byproduct of that Okay, if you pursue this, you won't get it. But if you, if you pursue this service-oriented, sacrificial love, you tap in on an experience with the mystery of Christ's suffering. You see, there, there's so much to the mystery of Christ's suffering. Those of you from higher church backgrounds, Presbyterians and Catholics and Lutherans, we know you talk about that a lot. This is how you experience that. When you find yourself becoming self-forgetful enough that you can feel yourself being in Christ-likeness. So that's the depth of it. I know that's some, for some people it's very hard to even understand, but that's the goal. That's what sacrificial covenant love is. Let me try to help you apply this in a regular marriage, no matter where you are, okay? How, what sacrificial giving type love looks like. You should, this is, this is kind of the homework for today, is you should look at an opportunity to, to touch base daily to check in on the needs of the person that you have covenant love with. In other words, just, it's, a, it's a, a check so that you can hear, right? Seek first to listen and then to speak so that that person can serve you as well. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in, in just a moment. But you need to set apart time to do that and the desire to know and to be known. Okay, and then, and then in addition to that, add to that, this idea of praying, right? Here's the theme again. We've got to get God in on this, on this relationship. And so regular meeting, but also regular time where you say, okay, let's pray and let's talk to God about our relationship or those things that we desire to be more so that his spirit can empower us to be in the fullness of, of the image that he desires for us. We're, we're trying to get... Um, we're trying to get God in, in, the, in the business of the depth of harmony and joy that we can have in marriage. There's a passage in this same book, Ephesians, that says, and it speaks about relational harmony for the most part, but he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. It'll give the devil a foothold. And while that's, that's a great admonition to try to kiss and make up before the light goes out at the end of the evening, I think there's even a, a better or maybe deeper context of that is, like, what if this is the last night of your life. <laughs> and, and how are you going to, are you going to squander that on, on anger? Are you going to be petty where you're, you know, snapping back and forth at each other? Or are you going to start realizing, wow, I have another opportunity before we put our heads down to the bed. I have another opportunity to sacrificially give or serve or to speak truth. And so how do you, how do you build this into your marriage? I think in the context of bringing this type of sacrificial love to your marriage, you have to build rituals into, and they change throughout the seasons of your married life because of calendars mostly, but you have to build in rituals where you have conversations that are purposeful and are intimate and give a person the ability to know how to serve you. Sometimes they happen, you know, on a walk. Sometimes they happen, you know, at certain, again, periods of, of your life where you can just do this over dinner. You know, when the kids are young, sometimes you say, look, children, okay, we're going to take a 15-minute timeout. Promise not to break anything or anyone. 
mom and I are going to go on the back deck because we need to pray together. We need, we, we need that time together. We're not going to get it before we go to bed, so let's do that. But the, the point is, is that you're working through, you're trying to get, there's an evolution, let me put this, there's an evolution of sacrifice in a marriage. This, you can almost mark on a calendar for people, and you can stop and pause and plateau anywhere you want. But I'll tell you, it seems like there's this four-step process where the first part, when people get married and when they're dating sometimes, it's serve me. <laughs> I mean, they love to hear the vows. You bet you can sacrifice your love for me, you know. And then somewhere along the line, it transitions because that doesn't work. And they go to, okay, look, you know what? All right, let's give and take. You serve me, and then I'll serve you, and I'll serve you, and then you can serve me. And a lot of marriages just stay right there. Doesn't work much. It's pretty shallow. And then the next time one is, believe it or not, this is better, but it sounds worse, fine. You know? Not, well, you guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? Fine. Because I'm always doing 51% or above so I'm just giving up that value. Fine. I'll just serve you. Okay? Good for you and, and, and that attitude. But there's a fourth step over here where it, with, with redundancy and practice and surrender to God for your desire for God's spirit to be working in this type of covenant love. You're going to find yourself one day serving right, and sacrificing like you did in one, two, and three, and you won't even know it's happening. And, and your mate will say to you, wow, thank you so much for the sacrifice. And you say, what sacrifice? That was just love. That's self-forgetfulness. It's when you've lost that part of you that was never supposed to be part of you, and now you're becoming more like Christ when you don't even know it's happening, and it's a joy to do that. Covenant love, okay? is sacrificial. Covenant love is also purposeful. The, there's a purpose, right, for this type of love, and it's the purpose is to change you. The purpose of covenant love is to change you. Look at the next sentence. We'll pick it up where we left off. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, right, that sacrifice. Why? To make her holy, to cleanse her with the washing of the water through the word that he could present her to himself without spot or wrinkle, blameless, right, holy, so there was, a, there, was a, there was an end to this. Why did Jesus come into our lives? Think about that. I mean, to be worshipped. Yep, got it. You bet. But what else? To transform us. <laughs> without him, without intervention, right, from miraculous Holy Spirit, God coming in, we're, we're bent and we're twisted and we're dirty and we're ugly. We're constantly selfish. Whatever it is, it's going to, we win. How, we're in this somehow. We get something out of this. And the only way to change us was for Christ to come and leave his spirit within us. We're broken. We're turned in. And he's saying, I'm going to come and help turn you out. And marriage is the primary means to make that happen. A purpose, not the purpose. A purpose in covenant marriage love, I will love you now but into the future, is to say, I, I'm going to be that person that God uses and God's spirit uses to help change you. Now, current love, current definitions of dating and current definition of, of this type of love or what people think is love is saying, no, you love me the way I am and you won't change me. Right? I mean, I'm dating websites. I want to date somebody that won't try to fix me. 
Okay, but that's just not what marriage love is about. Marriage love says, look, I'm going to take the power of the covenant love and the security of the promises that you make before God, and I'm going to use companionship and, and intimacy and all that's available to us to allow God's spirit to work miracles in your life like no, nothing else can. Because a, a, a person with this sort of ambition for another human soul, again, gazes into their life, right, and says, I see things that God sees in you, I think. I think I'm seeing what God sees in you, what need, and I wanna be, I wanna, I wanna use our love, the, so much power in covenant love. I wanna be part of the covenant love power that God will use to change that and to bring that into its fullness in this lifetime. So he's, he doesn't love us to leave us alone, he loves us to transform us. There's nothing new in this. Look, you, we do this. Our, uh, we love our children, right? We love our children. Look, you can add. No, what, I'm sorry. Look, you know what the, word, the numbers are. You can count to 10. Okay. Now let's add. <laughs> it's like, well, gosh, mom, I just learned to count to 10. I know. Right. Well, let's get going. And, and God, you know, a lot of, of churches uh, uh, and I think Billy Graham did this. His revivals ended with his song, his hymn called Just As I Am. And it just, it's kind of this looping chorus, just as I am. He's going to take you just as you are, and he will. There needs to be like a follow-up song that says, but he's not going to leave you there. He wouldn't dare just leave you just as you are. And, and so, uh, well, Gordon, not Jordan, George McDonald, famous uh, quote from George McDonald, God is easily pleased but rarely satisfied. So he loves you just where you are now. Let's keep moving. Let, let's, keep, let's keep doing this holiness thing together. So listen, here, let me apply this. If you can understand this, I mean, it's right there in the passage that Jesus loved us so as to sacrifice, but then to make us holy and blameless, right? To wash us with his word, right? If that's true, and that's what love is, it's purposeful is to change us, then here's the obvious application that seems to be missing from many people's expectations in marriage. You can, if that's true, then you can assume and expect confrontation, right? I mean, if it's all about change, then there's going to be conflict and clashes. And, and, um, and what I'm finding with younger people is they have these early clashes and sometimes a bigger, deeper clash when the children come. They, they, they think this, and they're in this full-blown panic. I didn't marry the right person because they didn't think there'd be this much argument, right? There, there wouldn't be this, this depth of revelation of who they are and how much work has to be done. Friends, that was never supposed to be part of your expectations. You are not supposed to be surprised. You're not supposed to be surprised because that's, that's what marriage is about. And listen, you can... You can see this. I hope this is not you. You can see why people that are proud and stubborn have such difficult marriages. P people that are proud and stubborn, they'll get stuck and, they, and we'll, they will dig in because a proud person says, I don't need to change. And a stubborn person says, I won't change. And so the proud and stubborn stay over on this side and they are stuck and they hate marriage. 
because they're being called out. And if you're proud and stubborn, it's, it's very bad. Marriage is God's gift in giving you a person that brings you to the confrontation of the denial of who you are. Okay? It, it, marriage is a gift from God of a person where you say your marriage vows, and is, that person is the person that brings you to an awareness of the denial of who you truly are. And so marriage conflict is supposed, should be assumed and it should be harsh sometimes. Tim Keller, he's a pastor in New York City. He's kind of famous because he writes books. He did a series on marriage, and one of his uh, friends came up to him and says, hey, you know what marriage is like? I heard this when I was a kid. Marriage is like a gem, a gem tumbler. And I, I, we, my friends had this when I was growing up. You'd throw these gems in this kind of a handheld, about this big washing machine, industrial strength washing machine. You'd throw these rocks in there. And then you'd spin them around, and so they're pretty ugly when you start. And then, voila, they're shiny and smooth, and they make for great paperweights. I probably have a dozen of these around my house, the, the gem, the shiny ones. But you know how you go from before to after? You just put them in a thing together and let them bang around. That's it. They're just banging the stuff off of each other. And it just kind of, and so the point is, is that marriage is like that. Marriage does that. Marriage, is a, marriage does that by, and here's what, here's what, here's kind of the dark underbelly and maybe motivation of marriage a lot of times. Marriage takes you into a deeper and a darker kind of loneliness than, that you'll ever experience being single. Okay, what, let, me, let me say that again, okay? If you get married, if you were lonely as a single person and you get married, you think you're free from that loneliness, but marriage will take you to a much darker, a much denser, a deeper kind of loneliness so that you won't stay there. And you'll have to make a serious commitment not to let the sun, you're going to let the sun go down on your anger, right? Because, because it is such a harsh experience of loneliness because God says, you've got to change. A purpose for love marriage, of covenant love, is to transform you. you I'm going to make this hard for you so you won't stay down there and we'll knock off stubborn and we'll knock off some of this pride and I'm going to try to turn you into the jewel, the smooth gem that you were meant to be. So if you're experiencing some of that in marriage, it's purposeful. It might be brought on by God to see if we can't get to this better place. Purpose of marriage, purpose of covenant love, it is the definition is sacrificial and it is to change us. So where do you get this kind of love? Again, we're talking about intuitively, instinctively, our bent part. We don't want to sacrifice and we don't want to change. And and we can if if we marry someone sometimes and we're kind of on an equal psych, psych you know, I know uh, soul level then we can give and take, okay, again, it plateaus early, but then if someone gets sick or distracted or, or runs into the weeds or discouraged or whatever, then it becomes one-sided and you won't have that ability to love because you're not getting any more from them. So if it's give and take, give and take, it's a matter of time. And friends, here's the thing about this, the fundamental truth in marital success. You have to love God more than you love your mate. You have to love God more than you love anything else because if, if, you're, 
happiness and joy in life is provided by your mate, then you don't have a real relationship with God. If, you, if your primary source of happiness and love is coming from your mate, you might either not even have a relationship with God or you're not experiencing a deep relationship with God. I don't care how long you've been going to church and how many Bible studies you lead. But if your source is from something, Lewis, never let your source of joy be something that can be taken away. If your source of joy is something that can be taken away, then you have the wrong source. If your source of love is your mate, you're going to run out. It's not enough. One of the themes of our series together, the five words, is to call us to want more. I hope it's doing that in your life. I, I, I hope it's calling you to like, so this is what could happen. This is what we could have. This is what God designed. The fullness of human experience. The glory of God as a man fully alive. The second thing that I hope the, the series five words is doing for you is realizing that you can't do it. Friends, we're, we're broken in a vaster and deeper expressions than we want to admit. And, and marital love, the, the need for marital love, our, our love contaminates the purity of God's love for us and what we could be using. Real marriage requires us to receive a love that's sacrificial and purposeful from another source, from God. And that's why it says, I mean, the book on love is, is 1 John. Uh, it was written by the, the apostle wh whom it says, the one whom Jesus loved. He loves to write about love. And he said this, we love because God first loved us. We love because God first loved us. And now the idea here is, is that now we have this other love from another source that can't be taken away. And we receive that love and it, it, it cascades down, it overflows into other relationships and primary our, our relationship with our mate. And so this type of love is never duty bound. If, if your love is up here and you, you are hearing that even today's time, you're, you, and if you're duty oriented, you're gonna say, okay, I've learned this today, I should love my mate. You sit down with your husband or your wife and you say, you know, I've learned that I should love you and be sacrificial and purposeful in my love for you. That's a heck of a Valentine's Day card. Okay, duty bound. There's more. Love from God first causes you to celebrate and remember what's been done for you, and then you, you just spill that everywhere you go. Look what it says in 1 John 4. Let me read this to you. Dear friends, let us love one another for the love that com because love comes from God. Anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. That's the real love. Okay, not the feeling and chemistry love, the real sacrificial, purposeful love. If you do that, it's from God. Verse 9, this is how God showed us his love for us, he sacrificed. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a payment sacrifice for our sins. It cost something. It was purposeful. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. That type of love comes into our lives and it overflows. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and it's not overflowing, you've damned it up. You're keeping this pride, stubbornness, selfish, turned in. There's something that you're doing to actually hold this back. If you've never you know, received Christ, then that makes sense. You're just using your own possible personality and gifts to over 
to spill into people's lives, and you're, and you're running out of that. Okay, so, so to love your spouse, let me do it, let me think. Okay, how does this happen? How does this happen in our lives that we would have a celebration love, that we would have remembering love to give to our mate? Here's how it happens. You have to realize, we've talked about this, you have to realize that your crimes against God are, are greater in breadth and in depth and that you can't fix this. And, and then, and then why, did, why did God send his son into the world? It says it in the Bible. He sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world through his sacrifice. And so you have to come to this realization that, first of all, your crimes against God, whether it's just ignoring him or shaking your fist at him, it's this rage against his authority in your life. You'll live your life, right? No one tells me what to do. I won't be accountable to anyone. That's a violation of the first two commandments. You shall have no other gods before me and no idols. The idol is you. And there's a cost for that. You have to realize that you can't pay it. The second thing is, in the Bible, the word's called repentance. And repentance means simply this. You're walking one way, it says stop. Stop walking that way and realize it's wrong and it's evil. And so you turn and walk the other way. It means turn around. You want to receive the power of God's love in your life? You have to, you have to acknowledge your crimes against him and, and don't want to do those anymore. And then the third thing you have to do is believe that the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ were the payment for those sins against him. You have to believe sentences in the Bible. These are not my promises. Don't, don't trust me. I mean, who am I to trust? Trust this. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, uh, therefore, since we are justified through faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's just true. And here's what happens. When you receive that forgiveness, not because of coming to church, not for because you're being a better person, he does receive you just as you are, then his spirit is able to live inside of you, and he's able to let you face the truth of all the things that you're in denial about. And we can start applying these passages, other passages to your life. You can start loving sacrificially and purposefully. I'm going to ask you, have you ever done that? Have you ever trusted Christ's death and resurrection was payment in full for your crimes against God? And have you ever really applied it to your marriage? Right? Marriage is this ultimate revealer of, of your depth in your relationship with God. It's not how many notebooks you filled up. It's not how many Bible verses you know. It's whether you can love supernaturally. That's the, te that's the real thing. Marriage is a revealer of God's love. It is the revealer of our depth of depravity, our depth of turning in on, on our own egos. Here's what I want to do today, to end today. I want to end with this. I want, us to, I want us to all pray like a repentant prayer that we're going we're gonna to apply the gospel for the first time in our life or we're going to apply the gospel in a new way in our life because we are not loving like we are meant to. And you know that. And it's not, and it's about you, stubborn and pride. Two thickest, tallest, greatest, strongest dams to hold back the love of God and the person you swore that you would love sacrificially and purposefully.
Let's break those, down, those dams down today, okay? Let's do that. Lord Jesus, we lift, we lift up this to you. Um, I don't know where to start. Let's start with people that have never grasped that the purpose for your coming was to, to pay for our sins, to make us right with you, that we would receive that as a gift. We're not going to try to earn your love and our affection or our, our adoption. We're not going to earn our adoption with you, but we receive that as a gift. We want to be one of your children. We want, to, we want to stop and repent. We want to turn around and walk the path that you have for us, not the path that we keep blazing on our own that leads to destruction. And Lord, I want your spirit to rule my life. Uh, Lord Jesus, you are king, and I want you to rule. And I want you to expose uh, the, the injuries in my soul that need healing, the arrogance in my soul that needs defeating, the stubbornness in, in, in my will that needs breaking. Lord, make me the way you want me to be. And Lord, I give permission to my wife. I give, I give, I give a blank check to my husband to say and to do and to love me in a way that is purposely driving me to be without spot or wrinkle or blemish, holy before you. God, would you give us that? Will you, if nothing else, Lord, would you help us to desire more? Call us to long for more. Miracles, eternity in our lives. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. For more information about grace, visit our website at grace360.org.